Hello, welcome back to Forensic Friends. I'm your host, Shelly, and I'm here with my forensically fascinated friend, Natalie. Hello. And we're going to switch it up because today Natalie is going to learn me a thing. A few things. <laughs> a few things. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going rogue. <laughs> uh, we are kind of because I have some gripes to talk about. And it might just be that I'm in America, which currently is an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, just more of a dumpster fire than before. You like that? Yeah, because it's always been a dumpster fire. Let's be honest. Life is complex. <laughs> I, <laughs> sorry. I think <laughs> it just like started going. I think that it's probably worse now, only because. The things that used to be in secret because they were illegal and there would actually be consequences are now being done without consequences out in the open. I don't, so I'm not it, sure it, which specific thing you're referring to because they're, they're, America's a shit show right now. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, so there's a couple, the last... a, there's a couple things you could be talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> there is, there's been in the last two weeks, Three people who have been killed by police officers. Okay. All black. Yes. None of them, none of them deserve, I mean, obviously no one really deserves to be, uh, most people don't deserve to be killed by police officers. And they weren't doing anything and they were all killed. So uh, in, in different circumstances, all of them surrounding police brutality, it's really bad. And yeah. the last one has a video where he was oh, choked I, out. I it's couldn't. Real bad. I think I don't think we need to dance around it because I think everyone knows about at least one of the incidents the, the more the one with the video that was the most recent one yeah I don't want Minnesota I don't want to get his name wrong because I I know the name but like I'm bad with names. I know his name is George I all I forget his last name which is bad. his name is Floyd yeah so I've been staying away from the news because I've been recovering, both my therapist and my doctor don't want me like stressing. obviously getting worked up or stressing yeah. or anything because I need to breathe. <laughs> so eh, I've only seen a few things and unfortunately this is one of them and it's kind of specific to me. Yeah. And it's, it's <sighs> on the like... I don't want to be really cynical, but this isn't the first time it's happened. It's not even oh, the no, first time it's caught on video. No, I have seen way too many videos of innocent black people being killed and children. Children. Yeah, and there's always an uproar. There's always been protests that turn violent, not necessarily because of the actual protesters. We've seen well, it with Ferguson, and yes, and no one—they just changes. fixed the water like months ago. Yeah, <sighs> and very the little changes. Is, nothing changes. Not very little. Nothing changes. In Minnesota, they're rioting, and people are condemning the people who are rioting, the black people who are angry, for doing a violent protest. 
But the thing is, for the last, what, six years, black people have been protesting. They've been kneeling. When black people were kneeling on the football field, people lost their shit and yeah. refused still to listen to what was happening in the black community or to the black community. So if you're not going to listen to all of the peaceful ways we've been trying to bring about change, I can't fault anyone for getting violent. But my here's, concern. Here's the other thing, though, is that a lot of the people who are not just not just getting violent like but like looting that that's not the from what i can see in photos and videos of the protests that's not black people okay yes there that is unfortunately there are a lot of people of a different race that are causing a lot of damage and saying that black people did it as part of these riots i still don't give a shit because no one's listening still. They're going to find any excuse not to listen to blame black people for their own murders or murders perpetrated against them. Everyone wants excuses. But what happened in Michigan, what now? Was it a month now? Maybe not a month. Like three weeks ago. A couple where weeks we had, Where we had a bunch of fucking white idiots storm the Capitol building with assault rifles and shotguns. And they were not pushed back by the police. The police mm -hmm. did absolutely nothing. They went into the Capitol building, went to go find the governor. Like, that totally fine. That's, no one did anything against them. That's, and then... That sounds like terrorism. That yes, sounds it like... Is terrorism. It yeah. is terrorism. Now, now, if you changed those white people to black or brown people... They'd be dead. Mm-hmm. They'd be dead. They wouldn't have even gotten inside the building. They would be dead outside. Like, I say that not exaggerating, and I know if you're not in the U.S. and you're listening, that seems like I'm exaggerating, but it 1,000% is not, and that's what scares me, is that people used to at least pretend that attacking black people was bad, but now they can do it out in the open and there's no legal recourse. So it's only going to escalate, and I really, really hope that someone other than the motherfucking president saying that he's going to have people killed does something yeah. about it because, oh my God, he threatened to kill people you know, on Twitter. You know, Twitter removed his tweet because it violated their they guidelines. They, no, they can't. Because or they put a warning the or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. So they can't remove his tweets because that is now part of public record. It's something that is uh, going to be attached to him forever, which is which great. Is actually, yeah. However... Yeah, it's nice. I prefer that as to taking it down because I really want people to be That's confronted true. with the realities of what he's saying. Mm -hmm. But putting that warning helps people who don't need to scroll on their timeline and see that they're threatening to kill you Just offhand in a tweet. Yeah. But so that, yeah, the U.S. is fucked. And <laughs> I did not pick the place I was born I did not pick my parents, and I would never have picked the U.S. government, so any FBI, CIA <laughs> person listening to me, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> yes, I hate you. The end. <laughs> yeah. But this, uh, what I want to talk about today, since I kind of have the floor, as if I haven't been talking already, <laughs> <laughs> is kind of another fucked up area, and I really think it might just be the U.S. from what I know of other countries, which is a lot in some areas and then absolutely nothing in others. Like yeah, outside the like, Canadians yeah, drive on. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe Natalie thought that we drove on the <laughs> other side of the road? Like we share a border, my friend. <laughs> 
I don't know. I've been told that we're the only country that insists on driving on the side of the road, and Canada is not the U.S. I'm doing you a favor by not grouping you in with us. Sure. That's what it is. <laughs> For all I know, you switch sides of the road. Actually, I think I- Iceland, Iceland drives on the same side of the road, too. And, okay, and Sweden. Well, I don't know. Sweden does, too, because I was driving in Sweden. That was fun. <laughs> I don't know nothing about that, but so we're uh, in the end. English <laughs> is my third language. <laughs> it's something I don't. I don't know. I have no excuse. <laughs> but well, I'll say that I know too many bits of other languages I can be casual in, but not necessarily fluent. So I'll claim whatever I want. <laughs> but. <laughs> I want to talk about the medical system insofar as we're talking about herbs and plant medicines, because I know we've talked like briefly before mentioned that I've been really heavily researching and studying on pretty much anything having to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I've discovered something really strange at first. It was really upsetting. Uh, it's still kind of upsetting, But I'm wondering if there has been this big campaign, which gets really close to conspiracy stuff, which is not (laughs) something I usually go for. Oh, no. But no, it's not necessarily a conspiracy. It's not like that. But we know that, say, the dairy industry in the U.S., if you've heard the drink milk, get strong bones, whatever, Mm -hmm. in the the really propaganda that they were running and have been running since like the seventies. The milk mustache commercials. Yes. Yes. Trying to lobby and they actually have lobbyists trying to push dairy to make more money. So in the I didn't realize that was a thing. I just thought they were ads. They are ads, but the whole thing it was designed to increase consumption of milk. So Milk actually is not good for you, but a lot of Americans, when I've started talking about those things with them, have gotten very vehemently angry about that because they're like, I had a glass of milk with every meal and I've never had a problem with calcium. Like, if you're under 70, I'm not listening to you So (laughs) (laughs) about your calcium levels. I'm talking about science here. You're 50. You're fine unless you have like super early onset osteoporosis. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, if you're an, an Asian woman in her 50s, that's also when it kind of starts. Your bone density starts Yeah, going that's down. true. I mean, granted, though, like Asians don't drink as much milk. Like we don't right. have a lot of dairy in our cuisine. So and, and that's, that's totally thing. different. So. It was it was very intelligently crafted, this narrative that milk was extremely beneficial for your body. And now, X amount of years later, we're finding out with, through these studies that are not tied so much heavily to this lobbying that the dairy industry is doing, mm-hmm. that actually the majority of adult bodies don't carry the gene that helps you process milk. So most adults are lactose intolerant. They've just had so much milk that, yes, that you have a (laughs) running tolerance. So a lot of people who cut out dairy for any kind of like dietary reason, like you want to lose weight and you're going vegan or something. Specifically, since I was vegan, there are a lot of vegans, when they cut out dairy, they find out 
that they're lactose intolerant. And that was something that people associated with veganism, like, oh, if you go vegan, mm. you're not going to be able to handle milk anymore. And it's true, but it's also really not. <laughs> it's It has to do with not being exposed to the allergen. Huh. Mm-hmm. So, so lactose intolerance, if I recall correctly, because there is an enzyme. I don't know why I said mm-hmm. enzyme in a weird way. I think I almost said <laughs> with an A, an enzyme. Enzyme. An enzyme that breaks down lactose because lactose is yes. a disaccharide. Saccharide? Disaccharide? Yes. Sacar- saccharide? Sa- I've heard it both ways. Yeah, same. I think it's technically saccharide because it's a Who double knows? C. But anyway, this is this is not an English pronunciation broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> we've already uh, we, we're not the best people to do that. yeah <laughs> we fail at it anyway so so it breaks it down what is lactose is it it's glucose and good g- g- no no i don't i don't remember this is like really like high school biology biochemistry that i don't remember but it breaks it down and then obviously like your body stores glucose as energy but like there's something off about that enzyme in people who are lactose intolerant i don't think it, they produce the enzyme or that it doesn't your body doesn't actually use it i think a part of it might be blocked or it might be a different kind of thing cuz i remember seeing that stupid little diagram with the little <laughs> enzyme and the little thing and yeah i'm just having flashbacks that's what's happening i'm not making any (laughs) sense flashbacks (laughs) i just have well i know (laughs) oh my gosh i i do know that i don't know about the enzyme but i do know that when you stop eating dairy your stomach stops producing what breaks lactose down so it might be that enzyme you're talking about yeah but your body doesn't think you need it anymore so it stops and you'll pretty much never be able to eat dairy again unless you want to go through the process of like microdosing up to <laughs> the average dairy consumption level. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I, I don't know. You're why talking you would. about microdosing dairy. <laughs> yes, just, I am. Just a single Instead piece of, of shredded cheese. <laughs> Instead it's of that. like, yeah, just a, you know when you shred cheese, just just a single piece of that. <laughs> That's your micro. <laughs> Or you can start with something that only has casein, which is milk fat in it. <laughs> oh, I was right. It's glucose and galactose that makes okay. up gl- lactose. So it- is that milk sugar? Yes. Because okay. when you're lactose um, intolerance, you can't break down. Um, there's a lack of the lactase enzyme. Fun fact, if you ever want to make up an enzyme name, you just add A's to the end. A-S-E. Pretty much. That's usually how like 80% of enzymes are named. What do they break down? Okay, I'm going to add ACE to it. (laughs) Well, so lactose intolerance, a lot of people or a lot more people are lactose intolerant than some of us are led to believe, most people, in fact. So you have this concerted effort by a an industry that is only going to profit. Mm-hmm. If they tell parents that if they want to be good parents, they'll give their kids milk. They'll help them go strong. I mean, honestly, do you want to be a good mother? Do you want your child <laughs> to grow? 
Apparently not it's Asian stupid. parents. <laughs> Which is fine, honestly. Um, I mean, we have milk in the house. It's for the dog. <laughs> you give do- you give Mina milk? Like very like a little bit of milk. She likes it. Well, why though? She likes it. I don't know. Uh, we okay. also we also give her like leftover, not leftover yogurt, but like like you know the little yogurt cups, right? Like usually yeah. there's something left over after you're eating it cuz it's hard to spoon out from the little corner, so we just let her lick the inside. Well, I say we. I say that's my parents. I don't give my dog any human food, although I might give her a fry or two. Valkyrie's like that with anything dairy. We usually give her like the top of the ice cream lid. Oh, <laughs> it's usually to make her be quiet because she starts meowing like she's never eaten in her <laughs> entire life. And if she doesn't get the ice cream, she'll probably die. <laughs> I mean, I feel that. I don't know. She she a brat, <laughs> but so so we have <laughs> this. We go. We have this campaign that has caused generations of people. To make this milk from an animal that we don't need and we're not get actually getting nutrients from mm-hmm. into a staple in the American diet. And so much so that it's become a very common argument or point of contention when talking about people who are vegan. And I get it. A lot of vegans are... Not the most pleasant to talk to. But you know what? People say that, but I have never met an obnoxious vegan. And I've met many vegans. Like, I don't know what the deal is. I was, I never felt. Maybe it's because I'm Canadian. The healthiest is when I was vegan. Oh. I felt amazing. Like, my body responds really well to a vegan diet. And so for me, it works. But there's a. That's a whole other thing. For people who are not white, it's very hard to understand what nutrients you need because the majority of vegans, especially like on YouTube or any social media platforms, are white people. And the reason is that a low-carb, high-sugar, really, (laughs) fruit sugar, Mm -hmm. diet is really good. So you have no fats, no carbs, or as little as you can manage, but you're still like eating fruit all the time. You can have other things like that. But the deal is when when you're black, for sure, you actually need fat in your diet. So I had to eat a lot of avocados, which is against what a lot of people say if you're vegan. But wait, what? That's a whole other thing. But avocados uh, are... I mean, it's I know, a different. Yes, I know. In Chinese, we call them butter fruits, but they're not. It's not actually butter. No, and it's not actually fat either. But these, this mentality of I'm going to get information from something someone says, or if enough people say it, then I'm not going to research, is why we end up with these problems in our nutrition and what kind of gets mm. pushed and what doesn't. So. That is something I hadn't really considered before I started looking into herbal medicine. And I think last week, maybe, when we talked about it, I was like, I don't do that woo-woo stuff. Yeah. Like, this is what protects you from... <laughs> the evil. Evil spirits. Yeah. The right. Bad and I'm still not... <laughs> I'm still not here for the bad vibes. 
But I'm wondering if there has been some kind of campaign against natural medicine and using herbs as medicine that has kind of been done with dairy. So my experience with traditional, like, or herbal, herbalism is traditional Chinese medicine. Like, my mom still makes Chinese soups every day and forces me to drink them. I hate them. I don't, I don't like them. Okay, they don't taste um, good, but drink them. <laughs> I, I hate them. And there's certain ones that I will not drink because I literally will gag, like ginseng soup. You know, ginseng's supposed to be really good for you and it's expensive and yeah. fancy and all that, but like... Like, it's so bitter, it makes me gag, so I can't. But, like, they do see traditional Chinese doctors, and they have taken traditional Chinese medicines. But, like, even though, I mean, I can't remember if I've mentioned on the podcast, but my parents aren't exactly educated or scientific people, scientifically minded people. Because I don't think you need a formal education to be scientifically minded. No, you don't. Exhibit A, Natalie. (laughs) But, like, like, they don't... Like, especially my mom, she's very, like, this is what I was taught by my mother, Mm -hmm. and this is what I know to be the truth, when it's like, no, 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 but here's the science and the research behind it, and it's like, well, no, like, you kids think you know everything just because you went to school, and I'm like, um, you paid for my (laughs) university, ma. So, the thing is, though, both for and against that viewpoint, especially with the studies I'm reading, because I do get my information from actual medical journals and studies. I'm not sitting here reading, like, yeah. WebMD. And you, you sent me a screenshot, and I was like, you fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about things that I don't know. So I know a lot about certain areas, and then, like, nothing in weird areas that people might think are basics. So the problem when you are self-taught or you're exploring on your own is I can sit here and read an entire how many eighteen page in depth study of the biological compounds and their effects on the DNA of neem leaf. <laughs> Whatever a neem neem not neem yeah n e e m not not an internet meme no. um I believe yeah. it's a bush. But I I can read that and (laughs) I can understand what they're saying. The only problems I come up up are like certain uh, terms for processes and I can Mm -hmm. look that up easily. And that's what's very confusing to me. I can, to me, if you're interested in something, you will find a way to learn about it, but uh, We've already established that that might be expecting a lot out of people. Well, I think the caveat is whether or not you're interested in. I'm a sciencey person. Like, obviously, I have a science podcast. <laughs> uh, I work in health science. I, I like learning things. So there will be times when I'm reading something that's. Like, not a scientific article, but I will go and look up scientific articles about how that study was done because, like, the the results only say so much, yeah. right? Like, you want to know how was this conducted, like, and the mechanism behind it and everything. So, like, you and I will go out of our way, but a lot of people won't because they just want the information. Yeah, just then, tell me what it's good for. I'll like, use it for that, and that's the end. Yeah, so, like, 
I think kind of trying to turn it back into our, our actual topic. Like, when it comes to the traditional medicines, like, my parents aren't going to ask about why is this good for me? Why does this help with this? Why am I being told to take this? And even then, like, it's the same with non-traditional medicines, like, like modern medicines. You get prescribed something. You don't necessarily go, okay, but what is it? See, I do that, <laughs> and my doctors... <laughs> My doctors learn very quickly that I'm going to be asking questions like that. So, like, mm -hmm. my PCP or my primary caregiver, he will always talk to me about that stuff. Because I want to know why he's prescribing it and what it's going to help and what the side effects are, what I should be mm -hmm. expecting, you know, things like that. And yeah, I, I've always been that way. Before I had my thyroid surgery, my hemithyroidectomy, I read on from several articles in the therapy uh, the thyroid journal specifically about surgical practices and what kind of risks there are, things like that. And when I was able to go see the surgeon, I came prepared with questions that he told me he's, he hasn't really been asked about. And that's not to brag. I don't think it's anything to brag about. I think you kind of have a responsibility to know what you're doing with or what's happening to your own body. But the more I read, the more of those ideas of traditional medicine, I feel like are good. Like you can just accept that because mm -hmm. there is an anti-cancer effect of several, several plants that has been documented. Like specifically neem tells the DNA, your DNA, that one protein <laughs> that controls the growth of tumors, to, it deactivates that. And activates the gene that is responsible for slowing or stopping the growth of tumors. A so, plant. Because I, <laughs> I did see your, your little the screenshot that you sent me. So basically what that was saying was it helps control apop apoptosis? Yes. Apop I think, look, I can read. I can't pronounce. I'm pretty sure that's what it but was. That, but that's like natural cell death. Right? So... Which is easiest is thing, the term I had to look up. <laughs> yeah, easiest thing to to think of is your skin cells. You know you shed skin cells. That's what causes dust. <laughs> yes. Like the majority of dust is just shed skin cells. Which Those is awkward if you're allergic naturally... to dust. <laughs> <laughs> you're allergic to other people's dust. I know. <laughs> what? I mean, there's also other stuff in dust. But like it... Your your dead skin cells are a majority of it. And that's um <laughs> yeah, so so that's kind of like like what causes what tumors are is uncontrolled cell growth. Mm -hmm. So your cells don't know to die. And, and so you get some tumors. Yeah, which could be benign, which means like it, it's just that area, it'll it'll just stay there like it's not great that there's a growth there but if it's not um in the way of anything like sometimes they might not need to remove it as far as i know right Generally if it's not speaking, in your brain going to actually crush your brain to death yeah and then there's malignant tumors which means that like lack of programmed cell death is spreading to your other cells mm-hmm which means your normal functioning cells are now going to go into these abnormal, non-functional, out-of-control cells. And they're, like, even I, I don't know the English word for this, but there's a, an apparent, 
like apparently a fungus that helps with reprogramming, like kind of telling your your cells to die mm-hmm. when they're supposed to. That's basically what this mechanism is, right? right. Like cells, please die. <laughs> <laughs> you do not belong here. <laughs> yeah. But I think the stigma against traditional medicine that, like, it's... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the more I read, the the more that, or the less these kind of fights against traditional medicine make sense to me. Because, I honestly, the only conclusion I can really come to is that, at least for America, and this is where I, I am quite ignorant about other countries in this respect... I don't know their healthcare system. We have proof that our medical and pharmaceutical industry only cares about the long-term profit of patients. So when mm-hmm. that's why we have the oh my god, opioid crisis. That okay, yeah, I forgot that word. <laughs> when we that's why we have the opioid crisis here because there were these doctors that were making money off of selling or prescribing. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. They know it's addictive. Mm -hmm. They knew it was addictive for decades. They knew the opioids were addictive. But if you have a person who's addicted to pharmaceuticals, that's money. They need it. You get money. And that's all it comes down to. So as far as like saying this might be getting too far into conspiracy theories, it's not a conspiracy theory if it's true. (laughs) Yeah. So... I think why it turns into conspiracy theory territory is the anti-vax movement. Oh, that makes no sense. See, there are areas of natural medicine that I absolutely do not support. But what confuses me is the reluctance to give people things that work better than the medicines we have. Why are you not making... (sighs) So, So here's my question, though is what the potency of a natural medicine can be. Because the compound found in plants, usually it's plants that we're talking yeah. about when it comes to like actual legitimate um, traditional medicines, not the bullshitty ones. But like it's been amongst many. So... In order for it to have the potency to actually enact a particular change, you'll need to have a lot of that compound, right? So, like dosage as a thing. <laughs> there is something that's very common in a lot of the studies that I've been reading that is kind of true across a lot of plants and roots. But the, this is another completely different approach to medicine we have very reactive medicine you have this problem now we're going to fix it uh in america there are people or women who are very highly likely to get breast cancer their mom had it their sister had it their aunt had it their grandmother had it you're probably going to have breast cancer they won't let the woman who wants a mastectomy a double mastectomy removal of her breasts do it it's her body she's probably going to have breast cancer she wants her breasts removed but Our insurance here will not cover preventative medicine. It's across all insurance insurance carriers here. And that is a massive problem for things like that. Prevention, I am going to have either cancer in my thyroid, another tumor. My thyroid's going to fail. I have an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. It's a ticking time bomb. And we just have to hope that 
it's another malignant tumor like the last one I had. Benign. Sorry. <laughs> I know that. You don't want anything to be malignant. Yes. Yep, that. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I just have to hope it's not malignant and and hope that we catch it before it starts, I don't know, keeping me from being able to swallow like it did last time because yeah. it, it went to my throat, push pressure, like into my throat mm-hmm. instead of out where you can normally see people's tumors. So my doctor didn't see it. Oh. Yeah. And I didn't notice it. I just felt a lot of pressure when I was swallowing. There was no real indication from the outside. Which could have been just a sore throat, right? Have been just a sore throat, right? Like, right. I imagine. The. So. I don't know too much about how Canada handles preventative medicine just because our healthcare is much better. It is. <laughs> it's not perfect. <laughs> it's not perfect. I can tell you for sure it is not perfect. You don't have people like, who are diabetic trying to wean to stretch their insulin and dying in Canada. So Yeah, my dad was like well he's not on insulin. Like his diabetes isn't severe enough to require it even though he was he's literally like on the cusp like he's Mm. just over it under control but like like he was they were like okay so it's like the the captain america video where he sits down on a chair and is like so you have this it's like so you have diabetes so he got like a care package with like an information pamphlet and the glucometers yeah like that's covered, I think, 100%, and he gets covered for the, like, strips and stuff. And, like, he doesn't, like, he's not high enough that he has to constantly monitor it. But because he's past that threshold, like, they don't want him to get worse, right? So they've already, they're kind of like, look, you're kind of here, let's not make it worse. That's, like, the level of preventative care that I'm familiar with on a personal level. But also, like, like healthcare isn't privatized here, right? Yeah. So no one's making no one's really making a profit except for pharmaceuticals. Technically speaking, like unless you are under twenty five or twenty five and under, then you are not actually no, because they changed this recently. There is a government drug plan mm. that I should actually try to get on because I have chronic migraines and I need my migraine meds. But before they changed this, you either had to have private insurance, which covers like massage, chiropractor, physio, that kind of thing. So like your non-essential mm-hmm. medical stuff. Or, yeah, or like you were on some kind of disability or something. But before they changed this, like you had to have that. But now if you're under 25, you're on the government plan. Mm. And I think you can apply if you don't have coverage through work. So like... Almost none of our essential medical stuff is private. So there's no, like, desire to have a profit because you can't make a profit. You're not supposed to be making a profit. (laughs) Everything in America makes profit. Everything here makes profit because anything that people need is an opportunity to get rich, including medicine. I mean, honestly, the guy who made EpiPens, did you hear about all that? No. He... There's, they cornered the market. There's only one EpiPen, and that's a brand. Oh, yeah. EpiPen yeah. is a brand, and he knocked the prices to like eight hundred dollars 
to $1,000 for a pen that people need to stay alive. He's in prison now, but nobody said anything until people started dying. I'm like, oh, no, I guess we'll deal with it now. I covered this story in my old shit show of a true crime podcast, (laughs) which I keep referencing. But there was a couple in Canada who they were a very rich couple because they owned a generic brand pharmaceutical company. They were found murdered. So there was, you know, like the the murder is one thing. But when I was doing research on the story, of course, I had to look up their background because the fact that they were, you know, the head honchos of this pharmaceutical company might have played into how they like why they died. Right. And I think there was actually some drama because so like you have branded medication, like for example, my migraine meds, the brand <laughs> 20 bucks per pill. Yay. For no reason. They probably cost 70 cents to make. And then the generic brand ones are 10 bucks a pill. Still so, probably takes 10 cents to make. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe not 10 cents because like it, it's a, it is a prescribed like neurological. I know. I'm just annoyed. <laughs> bug. But, uh, not bug, drug. But <laughs> like, so, the point of having a generic brand is you have the cheaper option. Mm-hmm. Like generally speaking, the active ingredient is the same and most of the formula is going to be close. So you're not going to have lowered potency or efficacy, but like, it's just, it's not branded. I mean, I so, would put that past people. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, say what you want about pharmaceutical company, but like drugs and stuff are heavily regulated right so i mean they are it's just i'm just very feeling very jaded because it's when you talk about preventative medicine what why i mentioned that if you go about the traditional way of treating something once you have the problem you do actually require very high doses of the natural medicine to moderate it or to even to benefit it but yeah some do. So there was a study that's really, really interesting that they did on pregnant women or women who just had a cesarean or a C-section. Okay. So they used regular hydrocortisone treatment for the wound care in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And they gave other women a cream made out of, I think this was chamomile or calendula also has really good wound healing properties. It healed nine, five to nine days faster than traditional hydrocortisone. And the women who used it reported much, much less itching or discomfort during the healing process. Probably also smelled nicer. It probably did too. <laughs> but you know, there, there are instances where those things are sometimes more beneficial. And that's not true of all plant medicines. There's... The thing about using modern medicine, which I am not against, is that it can be more concentrated because you're isolating one certain thing. And Exactly. And I think because things are being mass produced, like there's a reason that natural stuff costs more. And it's not just because it's trendy, right? It's because it is 
harder to come by. Someone has to grow it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Someone has to grow it. Someone has to tend to it. You know, they take up space. Like now there's more innovations in how to grow any kind of crop in like maybe more of a vertical space so that you're mm-hmm. not taking up so much land. But that's what they know, recommend for people who are in in apartments. If you go on YouTube and search indoor gardens, there's hydroponic systems, all sorts of things yeah. that you can do inside your apartment. Yeah. So like, but like the the thing is, it could potentially cost more in both time, labor, and, like, actual money to sustain enough of that natural ingredient to be massively available. Right. Compared to synthetic. If you're taking regular doses of the herbal medicine, they're finding that the prevention, there's a saying that comes up a lot when you get into natural medicine or herbology, whatever you want to call it, because it all kind of comes back to the same thing. But that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of um, oh my god what's anyway like regular care like after you have it well it's like taking your vitamins that's basically what it boils down to right like you don't want to have is it gangrene that's caused by vitamin c deficiency or is that vitamin d no that's scurvy no scurvy yeah (laughs) it was was one of those old-timey old-timey ones no, gangrene is like, isn't that like trench foot? Uh, I don't know about trench foot, it's, but it's where you have a wound and it starts like necrotizing and turning green and dying, basically. I think, I think that's also trench foot. I think trench foot was a very specific instance of gangrene. Yum. <laughs> but then, yeah, flashbacks to like grade 10 history. Holy right? cow. <laughs> but yeah, like... <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. I just got so distracted. (laughs) We got a lot of amputated toes in the lab. Oh, God. (laughs) So, like, but yeah, like, it's it's essentially like taking, it's not going to, like, if you were to take natural medicines in their more natural form, like, you know, not distilled and processed and, like, amplified in any way. Like, you can't, it's not going to solve a problem, problem? Wow. (laughs) It's not going to solve a problem that you already have. But it can. So there are ways to very easily make a tincture or a mixture that is more concentrated. It just takes a lot of time. So I have a lot of herbs that I'm using for teas. So that's like my daily consumption of a little bit microdosing of these <laughs> herbs. But then I have a cabinet that of medicines that are, for lack of a better word, brewing. It's herbs and, and alcohol. So ED or, or 100 proof alcohol. And you let that go for about three to six months. And it's a very highly concentrated extraction of what you're looking for in those plants or actually all the nutrients and there are problems that come along with natural medicine like you said not having easy access to concentrated amounts of Mm -hmm. medicine i have to wait three to six months before i have something i can use but it does have amazing results it is relatively easy and this is if you incorporate it into your diet or your care like vitamins there are actually medicines that can 
prevent or not really prevent. I don't want to say that. There aren't a lot of things that can prevent things that are genetically probably going to happen. But they can lower your risk of developing certain things. And I don't really, my problem is, and what makes me so upset is I don't understand why this isn't given to people as an option. Why do you want people to be sick for the sake of insurance, for the sake of what? You don't want to give people the tools that the science is there. There Now, here's here's the thing. Before people start blaming their doctors and stuff, oh, it I goes all the, the way to the top. Yeah, no, because I they're don't not blame taught doctors. This. They're not taught this, right? Like they're taught Western, modern Western medicine. Mm-hmm. So they're not aware of these different like approaches. And naturopaths are licensed professionals, at least here. Like I mean, you, you can have- be licensed here, but if I wanted to set up shop and say I'm something, natural pract- medicine practitioner, I can call myself, and ne- claim to never have anything backed by the government, and I can set up shop. I'm not sure if you can do that here. I think I've only ever seen licensed naturopaths, but I think, like, the reason that they are more stigmatized is because a lot of them are very woo woo. <laughs> I get that. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Like I've I've not gone to a naturopath, but I worked in a clinic where there was um an acupuncturist who was also a naturopath. And she's telling me things like acupuncture can cure depression. And I'm trying to remember what else was on that list. It could cure depression. It could like some some things. Yes, like migraines and headaches. I can see how it could work because, for sure. especially for my migraines, like they're all because of tension headaches mm-hmm. because of my too. neck issues. So like acupuncture can help with that. I just wouldn't do it because I don't like the idea of letting someone stick a needle or many needles in me. <laughs> From leaving it in the there. standpoint of someone who has volunteered during a Vietnamese health festival and twisted the needles and taken them out of lots of old people, yes, they they let me do that and my friend at like eighteen. It's not that bad. I just don't trust them. I don't I mean, trust people. They did just let two eighteen, nineteen year olds exactly. <laughs> I don't. I don't trust people. Like they taught us like how. Doing- yeah, and you could miss a needle. <laughs> oh, I'm not putting them in. We didn't put them in. We took them out. Yeah, you could miss taking one out. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I don't like no. Also, like, I didn't particularly like having to volunteer my arms in class. Anatomy. So, but like, yeah, it it was, and supposedly it could or endometriosis endometriosis endo yeah endometriosis yes okay i'm trying to remember if i had the right amount of vowels in there <laughs> you um, did. which like i don't see how you see that kind of stuff that is I, I guess this is why i'm torn but at the same time with talking about neem they can trace some of these compounds and some of their effects they have on like particular amino acids and particular proteins in the DNA and they can trace it but right. at the same time they'll 
they have certain aspects of its anti-cancer effect and they go, well, we've observed this. We don't know mm. how the hell this plant's doing it, but we know it does. And it, that's the thing. Like, so these people, I say these people, people have been using natural medicine for thousands and thousands of years. I yes, feel like good old saying, ancient Chinese secrets. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> saying that this is good for this, like, take this herb for X, Y, Z. I would lean towards mostly believing people, but just because See, science doesn't know everything yet. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mentioned ancient Chinese secrets, so I'm allowed <laughs> to say this shit because I'm Chinese. Okay. But like, like those, like, the illegal exotic animal trade, um, which is problematic in itself, but what a lot of those animals are being used for are animal traditional testing. Chinese medicines. No, not animal oh, testing. Oh, for the medicine, yeah. Yes, traditional that. Chinese medicine. Um, mm, I knew that. I've seen it. So it's like, and as far as I know, there is actually no scientific backing to any of those claims. Like, Shark fin soup is a very popular, fancy Chinese delicacy that is said to have anti-cancer and virility in men. I how many Chinese medicines have I seen for virility in men? My God, said something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like, there's no there's no backing that yeah. shark fin has any kind of anti-cancer properties, especially when sharks can also get cancer. Like, so that's why I wouldn't say I lean, I would lean more towards the wisdom, 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 <laughs> why did I say it like that? Who knows? The stuff you learn from science? <laughs> like, from, I from the modern scientific method, I guess? Like, I wouldn't discount traditional medicine. I wouldn't just be like, oh, just because you're telling me to drink this tea because it's good for me, I'm not going to discount it because it's tea and not cough syrup or whatever. Right. But I am still very critical, like, if those claims are proven in a scientific way. Oh, right? I, mean, like I definitely am with you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be reading studies. Yeah, yeah like, the like, the studies you've read, like, they're showing... I'm assuming they would tell you exactly what's done. Yes. Um, what their sample size is, the actual mechanism mm -hmm. that they observed, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of, and that's what people don't really get with scientific studies, is it's not just, we did this thing and here are the results. You're oh, just no. reading the abstract, right? But like when you read, and I would know this because firstly, I've read many scientific studies <laughs> unwillingly. I've also written a thesis which is essentially a scientific study just on a small you know lower end academic scale so like i would be very critical of what the sample size is how they did this study what are the biases all of that but like if that study is fully there why wouldn't i believe and the most important thing like the reason i really think you should watch the studies or like read the studies is because some doses of their plants. Medicine comes from plants for the most part. It's dangerous. There are side effects. But while less natural medicines 
have less side effects is because they're not as concentrated or isolated. To isolate a certain compound, you kind of have to mess with it. And there's a certain synergy in a plant with the nutrients. So it can, so it can create some bugs here and there. But okay. you need to know. <laughs> I'm going to breathe. <laughs> it, it's important to know if you're taking X dose, is it even going to do anything? Or how much should I give to my brother, sister, girlfriends? Is it safe to give to children? What's mm. Those things are very important. So I think even if people are into natural medicine... You do have to balance that out because people still yeah. died back when there was only so, traditional uh, herbal medicine. I mean, I, people died a lot earlier because because <laughs> of many things, limitations. But, yeah. But, well, I think that is one of the – it's kind of like a vicious cycle or a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know. That's not the right term. But, like, not as much – not as much work – I think is going into researching natural medicines. I so agree. you don't so you don't have like you don't have a study that says this dosage is good for like this body mass. Because what doses usually when you look at like your medicines, it's they kind of base it off of your age because they're estimating your body size mm -hmm. based on your age, right? So like a child is much, much, much. So they need a smaller dosage because they don't have as much body for the drug to circulate through. Right. Really. <laughs> so, like, because there's just not as much resources being put towards researching these things, you don't know how much you can take, what you can take with it. And that's kind of one of the things, like, even with my parents' traditional Chinese medicine, they're very careful. Like, I mean, when it comes to that stuff, like traditional Chinese medicines are, it's been an ongoing thing for a long, long time. Yeah, I think I would so, trust those yeah, kind of dosages. So by now, they've worked out how much you need. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, but it's been even, a long time. Yeah, but they're very careful about like, okay, if I'm taking this, like, I mean, the doctors would tell them like, don't take this with this traditional Chinese medicine, but they mm -hmm. also wouldn't be like, oh, I need to take an Advil, but I just took my dose of traditional Chinese stuff, so I'm going to have to wait a couple hours just to make sure because cause they're not sure what the compound is in the traditional Chinese medicine that's the active ingredient. How do you know it's not going to – or how do you know it's not really the same thing as your Western modern medicines and now you're – Right, and right? that's why, I, I again, why I am trying to do as much – education on both sides as possible. So I'm literally reading about the protein P53 and <laughs> how important that is and what plants activate that. And it it's very important, but also I, I just can't help but feel like there's some injustice being done. And it, I don't know why my brain goes to that. I just feel like People should have options. I, people are, don't have access to medicine. They don't understand why they're sick. They don't know how to prevent it. And I th mm -hmm. that goes into nutrition as well. But yeah. while there is information about nutrition out there, nobody's out here reading medical studies. 
to, to learn about the effects of green tea. They just know that it might make them lose weight. They drink like a ton. Oxidants. <laughs> yeah, but who actually knows what antioxidants are? If you ask someone what makes free radicals so dangerous, they wouldn't be able to tell you unless they know about it. And it, it actually <laughs> is not good for it. I was... I was just about to say, like, I do actually remember vaguely learning about free radicals. I'm not going to, I can't say anything concrete because I don't have those notes in front of me. They have a, a missing, not molecule. It's their isotopes, I believe. No, so no, missing it's their, they're missing an electron, an electron or something. Yeah, and so they steal it from other, uh, molecules i guess <laughs> yes and so that's what makes them dangerous it like corrupts other cells or breaks them down yes I, it makes them less it makes the cells less right. um i we're not gonna we're not gonna go back into quantum chemistry right now <laughs> my head hurts too much right now i've got a migraine oh no i was i was telling natalie i needed to see like a massage therapist or something but that's not really happening and like i wouldn't go to anywhere that is open despite orders because how can i trust that they are properly cleaning if i don't you know me yeah so i i don't know i just welcome to <laughs> my angst around medicine right now <laughs> i i just feel like i feel like people should <laughs> I don't want people to be sick, I guess. Like, why yeah, aren't you helping people not be it's sick? Just, it's a very, like, complex kind of issue because you do have extremes on all sides. So, like, you have, you know, big pharma who are all about the profit and not necessarily about the safety or actual health. Um, and then, you know, you have people who are justifiably angry about that. But then the fact that, like, because these pharmaceutical companies are supposed to be backed by experts. Right. Right. And professionals and people who you're supposed to trust to give you unbiased medical opinion. So then because, like, these medical professionals that you're supposed to be trusting are breaking your trust by feeding into capitalism, essentially, then people start losing the trust in experts and, you know, people do this thing where they generalize. So, like, you have these this group of people who are actually, you know, all about making money. But then you have actual researchers and people who are trying to help. Yeah, the researchers are, are the ones, I think, who understand the value. Yeah, and, like, but they're not being heard as much because it's not making as much money. But then you have the people who, like, well, if I can't listen to that doctor, then I'm not going to listen to any. Yeah, or all all modern medicine is bad. But the thing is, if you need antibiotics, I'm never going to say, no, have this mm, peppermint because it has antimicrobial properties. Never will you hear me say that. Yeah. Get the concentrated stuff so you don't die, but then you can support your system with these other things. And I, I guess... I guess I have a lot of faith in people being able to moderate their <laughs> opinions. I have I have absolutely no faith in people. 
I feel like I don't, but then sometimes I forget that people make really bad decisions. I don't know. It's not like I'm the smartest person in the world, but like, can you take a minute to read? There's a, I think, I mean, now we're, we're getting on tangents, but still related. I think is the issue is people do not think critically. You don't necessarily have to, and uh, this ties in a lot with what's currently happening now with the pandemic. People don't question things unless they disagree with it. Yeah. Because it doesn't, it doesn't give them any kind of advantage. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'm not saying you and I are smarter than everyone else because we think critically. But <laughs> that's the thing. I don't think it's I don't think I'm smarter because I'm reading these articles. I think anyone has the capability of reading and looking up things you don't understand. I mean, I get it takes a lot of will, but it's not because I'm smarter. It's because I want to I, know. See, I think like to me, how I see intelligence is like, just do you think critically? Not, mm. are you going to go and read this article? Like, you know what? I've read many articles, all of them against my will. <laughs> okay, maybe <laughs> not all of them. Almost all of them were against my will. So I know they are a drag. They can be very difficult to understand because even if you are, like, in academia and even if you are in the sciences, these articles use a lot of unnecessary jargon because they're pretentious dickbags. I mean, what? Um, <laughs> like apoptosis instead of cell death? That's a fun one. Oh, oh my god. Okay. I mean, so but that's an actual, like, because I'm... there's different types of cell death. Okay, fair there's, enough. Yeah. But something that, <laughs> there's a term that had me, like, screaming tea every time I saw it. It's called tea. Oh my god. Let me see if I <laughs> Wait, what? It was, they were calling tea, like, an aqueous, mm, what's the word? Uh, an aqueous. Aqueous? I don't know how to say it. It's like water. It's Latin for water. Aqueous. Aqueous just sounds funny. Okay, but Latin, <laughs> Latin vowels are pure. So if they're ah one time, they're always ah. That's how Latin works. Right, and same with Japanese, and still people can't pronounce shit. But, like, it still sounds funny. <laughs> okay, well, there's something that literally, <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's aqueous extracts. extracts. <laughs> it's water, it's tea. Uh, there's another one where it literally calls it water extracts, and I'm like, wait, tea? Wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? What? <laughs> See? See? That's what I meant. Unnecessary jargon. Yes, yes. So I'm reading this article, like 18 pages. I'm excited about what it means for different things that you are going to get from it. But then I keep coming across aqueous extract, tea. And then <laughs> they do it several times and they also say water. So I'm trying to look through my notes because I my notes are actually, I just wrote them out because that's how I remember things and learn but literally they called it them like water extracts I'm like so tea you're talking about tea i understand yeah. what tea is yeah <laughs> yeah who's I who's making tea with i don't know mud like yes it's water <laughs> i mean look yeah like i said it can be hard to get through so i don't expect people to go out of their way 
to look up a study and understand it in its, you know, full capacity because it's a lot. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there are know, things I don't necessarily grasp and, the full meaning of. Yeah. And a lot of these studies are also using instruments and techniques that, like, you wouldn't know. And they're very hard to understand if you're just going to Google them. Like, Which is why I, I stick to studies because I feel like I'm learning more and understand what's being said. Yes. Yeah, so, like, but I think people need to learn how to weigh information and mm -hmm. gauge where it's coming. Yeah. And also, like, yes, a lot of people have ulterior motives when they're providing information, legitimate or not. But you also have to learn, like, does there does this potential ulterior motive like detract from the study right you know how objective was this you know are they backed up by other people who are the people who are backing this up what are their motives right and like, it gets kind of complicated when you do studies and like who they're who or what they're doing it on because because there's not a lot of funding towards natural medicine, because there's not that much money in natural medicine. Well, why would you spend money on studies where you can just slap a a basic instruction on, like a, a vitamin supplement? It. So I feel like people aren't spending a lot of money, but a lot of these these uh, studies are done on rats. So you're having to gauge a dosage for a human off the fact that they used five milligrams per kilogram of weight of a rat. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, now keep in mind, I only took one year, for, like one semester <laughs> of pharmacology, but like dosages are based on like a mass ratio anyway. Right. But that being said, the physiology can be different i feel like i feel like i don't know how in depth would this get probably not that in depth but how drugs generally work is in your body you have receptors i feel like that might be somewhat common knowledge enough if you think back to like high school well i yourself think even like mm when you talk about neurological things that are like, talk to your doctor about this medicine, it helps attach to the receptors. And, you know, they do kind of go into that. So it's not, it's not always neurological. Um, but like, like your body, uh, your body functions through a lot of different ways, like without getting into every single bodily function, <laughs> but like you have receptors or enzymes and they have a specific shape to like, attach on to some kind of molecule, whether it's a neurotransmitter or a substrate like dose, mm. since we were talking about... Or red about... blood cells and oxygen, like sickle cell anemia. Yeah, so, like, they interact with certain things. And how a lot of drugs work is they mimic the shape of that substrate so that they attach onto, you know, the receptor or the cell or whatever... Uh, and that can cause some kind of change, so to right. speak. So, like, uh, I can't remember anything specific because pharmacology <laughs> was like a year. But I used to have to take beta blockers. I mean, technically, I should still be taking them, but they just weren't doing anything for my migraines. Same. 
Beta blockers are a heart medication that lowers blood pressure. And how it does that is, I think it, like, it latches on to one of your cardiac muscle proteins, if I recall correctly. I'm probably getting this wrong. I, Someone, that one I can't help you with. <laughs> but, like, basically it makes your heart go a little slower. Interesting. Because it attaches... Give me a second to Google this, because it's going to bother me. Because <laughs> I should know this. According to the Mayo Clinic... Mayo Clinic? Mayo Clinic? Mayonnaise? Mayo Clinic. Oh, um, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it, block, it blocks epinephrine, or as you might know it, adrenaline, which is a, is it a hormone or a neurotransmitter? Doesn't matter. It's a neurotransmitter. But like, that's your, that's your stress thing, right? Like, yes. so your stress response is your heart beats faster. So by blocking adrenaline, it doesn't make your heart beat faster. Therefore, you don't have as much blood going. Therefore, lower blood pressure. So, like, I think beta blockers have a similar shape to epinephrine, and it attaches onto your yes. So <laughs> to your to, yes, <laughs> yeah. It 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 attaches to your trans your receptor, and that's what enacts the change. So that's how these drugs it yes ends work. your receptor. Yes. Yes, look, I did mention that I have a migraine, right? <laughs> no, I just really wanted to make a really bad improv joke. Oh, Natalie, we're not we're not cool enough for improv. Is improv cool? <laughs> I don't even know. Is it what? Is it cool? I feel like improv has I that reputation know. of like, like a dude's midlife crisis. They go to an improv class. I think it's only cool if you are a famous comedian. You have to be famous as a prerequisite to make it cool. But like, I mean, what I like about the idea of improv is being able to think on your feet. And I think that's a very good transferable skill in life. <laughs> I don't know what's oh happening. My God. I don't either. What are you talking about? <laughs> Look, I have a headache. I smell like Tiger Bomb. That's not a bad uh, smell. No, but like it means I have a headache. Yeah, <laughs> because I need Tiger Bomb, and I couldn't I couldn't put Tiger Bomb out on at work because, like, it's not yeah, a it's bad a smell, but it's a it's a strong smell, and technically yeah. the hospital is a scent free environment, so I didn't want to do that. And what were we talking about again? I don't know. I I feel like. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to natural medicine, but I just find myself both both excited by the research that I'm coming across, but also like very sad and disappointed as well because it this stuff should I don't know if it should be common knowledge necessarily because like you said, it there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with mm -hmm. giving people medicine. People yeah. put their trust in you to give them something that actually works that will make them feel better but i i, I just sorry I don't, I don't i don't mean to cut you off with a random um, oh, no. tangent 
But because I was looking up beta blockers, right? And there's a Google image search like result. I just see a heart that says beta one man babe. What? Man babe. Because metropolol, atenolol, nebivolol, bisoprolol, acetabutalol, beta solol, and esmolol are cardioselective beta blockers, and they make up man babe. <laughs> One, who is responsible for all of that? All of that is a problem. Secondly, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to know who got bored that day. The beta blocker that I was taking is not on here. I was taking propanolol. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm yeah. done with this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I don't well. know why. I just super hate it. Uh, <laughs> can I go now? <laughs> Where's the end of this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> my freedom back <laughs> i i think we've reached and surpassed that point in the podcast <laughs> where we both lose our minds probably i like i said i can go on and on and on about this but it's literally just talking in circles about me being mad at people yeah yeah it's it's a tricky it's a tricky conversation to have because it's a lot more involved than what we're going through because it's obviously it's obviously more complex than just people want to make money. There's a lot of I mean that's definitely a big part, but there's also a lot of other factors and like again, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like if people aren't willing to put research into it, then you know, you have all these risky things happening because people don't really know what's going on and yeah. then that gets stigmatized, so then that makes people less inclined to put research into it as well. So, yeah. It, it's times. hard, I think. Yeah, super fun. We're all going to die eventually, but I just want to live longer. <laughs> I mean, I... I just want to live longer, that's it. I'm not, I, I, I'm not sure if I want to live longer. I just want to have a better life. Okay, um, that's also fair. Yeah, <laughs> I can like, be if, here for that. Like, like I've seen some miserable old people, and I don't just yeah. I don't just mean like they have a slew of health problems. I just mean they're miserable. <laughs> right. I mean, there's definitely that. Yeah. Okay. Better quality of life. We'll, yes. I'll, I can better cosign yes. that. Yes. Better quality of life for everyone, which usually turns into a longer life. But anyway, <laughs> social media. <laughs> yes. If you want to rant with me about medicine or the terrible U.S. government, you can find me at Some Kind of Brown on all social media platforms or Kind of Natalie on Instagram and Twitter, although I'm making myself scarce at the moment because the world is scary. <laughs> you can find this podcast, sort of, on Instagram <laughs> as Forensic Friends Podcast. Haven't posted there for a few months. Our Twitter is Forensic Fiends. Which I think I sometimes post when the episode comes out. Sometimes oh <laughs> it's because it's because the podcast either like I either finish it and upload it late Sunday and then I just pass out. But I've been able to schedule them. And they come out 
early Monday morning, but I'm either sleeping or already at work. So I sometimes forget to transfer. <laughs> so if you actually want and somewhat active Twitter, I am on the Several Tangents Twitter, which is my other podcast, which is where I talk about random stuff. We just um, reached our, I don't, I don't know why I say we, like I'm not the only person on that podcast right now. <laughs> I mean, it started <laughs> off with a we. <laughs> yeah. So that podcast reached its first anniversary last week. I did a very tiny episode because I didn't... Um, plan anything because <laughs> i'm a pro podcaster because <laughs> the world is scary and you have to work mostly what you'll find on there is me complaining about stuff and complaining an underappreciated underappreciated <laughs> medical lab technician which uh, is really rude i will also second you on that yeah yeah we exist like, have people. fun testing your own shit right literally your literal shit that's what we have to deal with <laughs> I have now gained the instinct to hold my breath every time there is a stool sample being tested. Anyway. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>